kid. Hello, I'm Sammy Eisenberg. Today we are here with Zan Barksdale. So who are you and what are you currently doing? Hey, Sammy. Thanks for having me on. I am a former uh, player. I played in college at Ole Miss, played professionally a couple years uh, with the Atlanta Braves organization. Uh, then I got into college coaching where I coached at the University of Louisville um, and East Tennessee State. I'm probably better known for my catching instruction online. Uh, my website's Catching 101. Also very active on social media. Uh, just at Zan Barksdale everywhere. Uh, so that's where that's probably where people that are following me know me from. Uh, I'm currently working with Team USA. Uh, I can't announce exactly what my role is yet this summer, uh, but have some exciting announcements coming out hopefully soon. So talking about um, social media, can you t uh, talk to the people about what uh, your viral video was about a few uh, weeks ago about the daddy ball? Yeah, sure. So. I like to spark conversation on Twitter, um, really all social media for that for that matter. But on social on Twitter, uh, I like to ask questions that are just kind of thought provoking. And uh, what I did was I asked a question. I said, if you could change one thing about amateur baseball, what would it be? And I got a lot of different answers. Some were, uh, you know, we change the bats, we change the balls, we change this rule or that rule. Uh, but an overwhelming number of people said we would change. You know, no dad should be allowed to coach. No daddy ball. Um, and, and to me, that was really just kind of shocking uh, because my dad coached me growing up. Um, you know, I, I do think there's a time and place that you should probably hand off your your son to a you know a so-called professional, maybe if that's what we want to call it, uh, by somebody who does it for a living or does it full time. Um, but but I think dads are an integral part of youth baseball, whether it be you know five and six or coach pitch, or even up through. Uh, middle school and even high school ages where we just need volunteers. The, the, the more dads that are involved, I think the better. Uh, I think what happens is there gets to be a bad reputation because of sour few people. Sure, there are going to be a couple people that, you know, are selfish and try to play their children more than others or that, you know, everybody's batting lead off or playing shortstop. Um, and, and that's where kind of the negative reputation comes from. But I think an overwhelming majority are a positive influence on their sons and on their other teammates. Uh, and just on youth baseball in general. I would completely agree with you. I've had my dad coach me up until even right now, and I'm in, still in eighth grade. Um, I just can't believe what he's done for me, especially now every single day we're going to the gym, and I completely agree with that. So I know you're running the, uh, the catching camps and have uh, course two. So what are the differences uh, you see between a good catcher and one of the great catchers? That's a good question. You know, I think there's a lot of things. Well, let me say first, one of my favorite quotes is the best people in the world aren't 100% better at anything. They're 10% better at everything. So for me, you know, a lot of times it's really easy to go to a, a youth game or a high school game or a college game and you can pick out, you know, who's the best thrower. If, if a catcher has a really good arm, it just stands out and it's easy to see. Uh, but a lot of times there may be a guy who he receives a little bit better, he blocks a little bit better, he's a little bit better at calling a game. Maybe he bounces around or plays with more energy uh, behind the plate and just kind of is, is a better teammate. Um, so, so there's a lot of skills that a good catcher or a great catcher, um, you, you know, is is asked. And, and I think, you know, the difference between a good catcher and a great catcher is just, you know, they're a little bit better at everything. Um, I, I think the days are over where, you know, you used to be able to be unathletic, so to speak, uh, and just be kind of a big body that you put behind the plate. Now, you know, teams and coaches are asking catchers to be much more athletic, to be able to move around, uh, to be able to do certain things. 
And also now with the technology that's available at the major league level, there's much more of an emphasis on receiving and catching the ball well and turning balls into strikes or keeping strikes strikes um, than it was just, you know, throwing and batting. So so there's a lot that goes into it for sure. Um, But I I think the best guys are just really well-rounded. So being a catcher, uh, myself, kind of a catcher, you could say I'm a catcher. Um, And I know I try to, in the first inning, at least if I'm starting catching, I try to really have a good relationship with the umpires what do you do to develop that relationship with the umpires i think that's a great question you know one thing that i always like our guys to do whether it was me catching or the the guys that i coach now um, i like them to first thing before the game starts introduce themselves um, you know talk to the umpires and say hey my name is zan i'll be working with you today uh, and, you know, a lot of times with your, in your high school league or in your college league, you have the same umpires multiple times throughout the course of a year. So you can build a relationship with them and you can get to know them. Uh, but first, introduce yourself, shake their hand, let them know that you're doing everything you can to keep balls from bouncing off of them. Because uh, believe me, they don't want to get hit by balls that are bouncing in the dirt. They want you to block. They want you to keep them protected. Um, and any, any opportunity you can do. Uh, can do that. You, you know, you score points uh, with them. If they do get hit by a foul ball, uh, you know, call timeout or, or take a second, walk out to the mound, give them a second, kind of have the common courtesy uh, just to give them a break um, and let them shake it off and just kind of do some things like that. But carry on a conversation, be respectful. Uh, if you have a questionable call, uh, it's okay to ask them about it. You know, just like I said, have a respectful conversation with them. Uh, you know, I would never be disrespectful and say, I thought that was a, a strike. Where'd you have that? You know, but maybe you can say something along the lines of, "That was pretty good. I thought we got that last thing. Did you not? You know, did you not like that? Or what was uh, what was different about that than you know what we were getting earlier in the game?" Um, so, so there's a lot of things that you can do. But at the end of the day, you know, I think it's just having a, having a good conversation, building a relationship, uh, and like I said, you'll get to know these guys over the course of uh, of a year or a career, um, and you'll have guys multiple times behind the plate. So, so just build rapport with them, talk to them, uh, and treat them with respect. So what did you uh, look at in a, in a hitter when calling pitches? Was it the hitter's weakness or was it the pitcher's strengths? Again, another good question, Sam. That, that's really good. You're asking great questions here. Um, I think it's a combination of both. But I would say if you're ever unsure, I would always lean towards the pitcher's strength. Um, you know, even if we have a good scouting report on an opposing team and maybe we think their number four hitter uh, doesn't hit the breaking ball well, so to speak. Well, if my pitcher doesn't have a good breaking ball, maybe he's a fastball changeup guy and he's, he's trying to learn a slider or a curveball, but it's just not developed. It's not where it needs to be. Um, you, you know, maybe that scouting report isn't right. Maybe that guy can hit a bad breaking ball, but he struggles with really good breaking balls. Um, so in that case, you know, I, I would stick with my pitcher's strengths. Uh, and throw you know the fastball changeup. Um, so you know we we're going to know our pitcher from being on the same team, catching him in the bullpens, uh, you know, catching him in previous games. We're going to know his strengths much better than we're going to know the opposing team's uh, weaknesses. So e- even if you think you have a good idea and you have a good scouting report, it's good to keep that in the back of your mind, and it's good to use that at times. Uh, but I would always lean towards pitching towards the pitcher's strengths. So what do you wish pitchers knew that you already know? Man, that's a tough one. You know, I think uh, I think it, it, it's a little bit different at different levels. You know, I, I used to coach in college, and now I work with uh, guys who are a little bit younger most of the time. The past couple of years, I've been with uh, you know fourteen and fifteen year olds with the USA Baseball Organization. This year, I'll be with guys that are a little bit older than that. Um, but you know, I, I think there's there's just a rapport. There is uh, building the the rhythm and the trust and the development. 
Um, I, I think a lot of times, especially younger guys, don't have the um, maybe the what's the right word I'm looking for. They don't have the same routine they should have. You know, and being a catcher, you know, if I'm a catcher on one team, I have to catch all 15 pitchers. So I'm listening into the pitching coach. I'm in the bullpen. I'm learning different guys' routines. Uh, where that guy, he he's only throwing one bullpen a week, but I may be catching seven or eight or ten. Um, so I'm spending a lot of time down there, and I'm learning a lot of cues from the pitching coach. Um, and, and basically, that's why a lot of catchers go on to be really good pitching coaches because they spend so much time in the bullpen, and they spend a lot of time around very good pitching coaches. Um, so I, I think one thing that catchers can really pick up on are, are what routines really help different guys and different types of guys, so to speak. Um, and, and then just listen and listen to the terminology that your coach is using um, and, and just have trust. So did you? Did you have any uh, different warm-ups than uh, anybody else on your team being a catcher? You know, I, I would say this. I really didn't uh, when I was playing, but I'm going to show my age here. And uh, <laughs> I, I've been out of the game. I haven't played for about 13, 13 years now. Um, a, a lot has changed in the past really five or six years uh, where, you know, I, I, as a player, I would go through a normal stretch and throwing program. Uh, and get ready, you know, for the game, just like anybody else would, whether it be a center fielder or a second baseman uh, or first baseman or, or whoever. Um, but with all the information we have now, from strength and conditioning, um, you know, on down the line to to sports medicine, I would definitely put catchers through a separate routine. I think catchers need to have a really good ankle and hip mobility. I think it's important that before a practice or game, catchers go through an ankle. Uh, and hip mobility program. I also think they should treat their shoulder uh, and arm just like a pitcher would. You know, so you see pitchers down the down the foul line doing their band work or doing their plyo work uh, and doing things to to help them, you know, strengthen their arm, but also to recover as well. Uh, I think catchers should go through the exact same type of routine that a pitcher would. So w- when I played, it was a little bit different. It was a lot more simplistic. We we. We'd static stretch before the game, then you start to throw and take infield outfield, uh, and then you get ready and play. Um, where now, you, you know, most guys are going through a dynamic stretching routine. Uh, I'd, I'd put our guys through a hip program, an ankle program, uh, an arm program, um, and then, then kind of go on with the rest of the team and throw and do everything else. So it's a little bit more time sensitive and a little more time consuming. Um, but overall, for the longevity of a player and the health of a player, I think it's definitely going to be uh, beneficial. So I've used your uh, catcher stuff and watched some of the videos. So where can uh, why did you create them and why are, where can people find them? Yeah, well, thanks for asking about that. So that's that's a funny story. Um, you, you know, when I played, that there was no thumb protection, uh, and anybody who's caught before, you know, without a thumb guard, knows that. You know, let's say a right-handed pitcher throws a two-seam fastball and it runs in on you, uh, and you get called. You know, it's called getting thumbed, um, where basically you you hyperextend uh, your thumb inside your mitt when the ball hits off of it a particular way, or maybe you take a foul tip, um, and it just it really hurts. And a- after my uh, first year of coaching, I-, I knew there should be a product like this, I- and I really couldn't understand why there wasn't one on the market. Um, I, I'd known some guys that had, had gone to an orthopedic surgeon and had a custom orthotic made, uh, but that was super, super expensive, not, uh, n- not economical at all for a regular person. So I decided to kind of get to work and, and develop something, and, and that's where the catcher's thumb was born, and that's kind of how I got started in this whole online thing that I do now, uh, which they can find it at catcherstumb.com. That was the first uh, website or domain I ever bought, and I've got a number of them since that, that focus more on catching instruction now, 
uh, and the teaching side of it, but I definitely do sell tools like that still, uh, and that's something that um, has been you know fun to work on and fun to work with, and it's also very rewarding when you know I get an email from a parent who says you know my son got thumbed last week, we ordered a thumb guard, and now he's already catching bullpens again. Um, so so that's a product that it really kind of just came out of necessity. So last question here: Who is the best player you ever shared the field with? It can be same team or opposing team. Well, I would probably have to say uh, my second year in pro ball, I was in I was in Rome, Georgia, playing for the Rome Braves, and uh, Chipper Jones got hurt. I think he hurt his ankle or foot, and he came down and rehabbed with us for about a week. Um, so I was only on the same team with him for about a week, uh, but but he's definitely. Uh, probably the best guy I ever played with. It'd be hard for anybody to top him, you know, a Hall of Famer and one of my favorite players growing up. So I'm quite sure he doesn't remember me, but uh, that week that he spent with us was uh, was quite special for most of the guys on my team. Perfect. Chipper Jones is a good name out there. <laughs> hard to beat. Yep. Thank you so much. Sammy, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, and I think you're doing a great job with this podcast, and uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.